You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk and Dan. Dan, how's it going, dude? It is good, man. Excited to uh, to be back podding with you. We got a big uh, pod announcement here in a little bit, but uh, excited to be podding with you. Had a uh, had a good, very very relaxing weekend. I'm not sure about you, but it rained almost all weekend here in Tampa. Uh, so it's a good weekend to just kind of stay in. What, what about you, buddy? Uh, got to step out. It rained all all weekend in West Palm, but uh, me and the wife, fortunately, we we went down to Miami for her birthday weekend, so we escaped a lot of the rain. And then we didn't get as much rain in Miami, so we had a good time down there hanging. Miami smelled your cologne this weekend. Ah, they smelled all the Versace <laughs> cologne. They had to, Dan. It was beautiful, man. <laughs> what did you and the wife do? Uh, just a whole lot of just shopping at Brickle. Um, okay. Um, ate bar hopped in Wynwood. I went down to South Beach to, to link, link up with my man Champagne Regan. That's when we got a little Woo! rain. We went down to Fountain Blue to hang out down there. The money team and Mayweather and all them people was down there. So we just got we just hung out a little bit. It was, it was pretty fun. White turned thirty four. So happy Woo! birthday to her. Happy happy birthday. She's an awesome lady. Happy birthday to her. And I'm sure it rained in multiple different ways. So I'm excited for for you and the wife. Uh, she's a she's an awesome lady. You definitely uh, knocked one out of the ballpark with her. So. Thanks uh, a lot, outside man. of your league. Don't, don't hyper outside up too league. much. Outside of my league. <laughs> I'm a whoa, little offended. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's man. a compliment. I'll take it. Man, oh, man. Well, let's get on to the show. We got a, we got a great show today. We're going to welcome uh, Florida Gator basketball legend Eddie, Eddie Shannon on. We're going to welcome uh, Will Miles on for the first time. Kind of surprised he's not been on the show in the two years that we've been doing it, but excited to welcome him on. Let's get a few pod announcements out of the way. Um, obviously, not uh, just not just Florida Gator Eddie Shannon put some respect on his name as a five six one boy Dan. So uh, I'm a little excited about this interview. I'm excited. I'm excited too. For, I'm excited for you. I know that you always get a little hyped up, a little more hyped up when a five six one legend comes on. This, yes, sir. Same way I'm about to get hyped up when a nine five four legend comes on. So, uh, well, let's let's talk <laughs> a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about the show here. There's a couple of housekeeping notes. Number one, we're going to start doing a lot more stuff with our Patreon folks. We know that we've neglected you just a little bit. Uh, we're going to start doing a lot more live streams. Silk and I have talked about doing some stuff. Um, on a awesome website called or an awesome app called Colorcast uh, in the uh, in the fall, uh, it's an opportunity for us to watch the game live with you, comment, talk to you guys, uh, and do everything else um, that we would do normally uh, in the Cush House or something else. But give us an opportunity to to interact with you during the game. So if you want to take a, a look at that, uh, it's an awesome new app called Colorcast. Take a look at that. We're going to be doing that in the fall, and we're also going to be doing some clubhouse things. We know that we want to interact with you all more on a more personal basis. We can't get everybody in the pod. It's tough to do call-in shows and everything else. So we're going to start doing more of that. So that's going to start with Patreon first. Um, again, that's patreon.com slash stadium and Gale. So check us out there. Also, we are going to be doing a ton of new merch. We're going to be doing some uh, spring merch, some summer merch. Uh, we got a new logo. We got all sorts of new things. So we're going to be putting some more of that stuff out on our website, stadiumandgale.com slash shop. Uh, we're also running a hat sale. We got a bunch of excess hats that we're trying to sell. We're selling for 50% off. 
Uh, you'll get them in probably two or three uh, delivery days. Use promo code HATSALE at the end and you'll get 50% off. Uh, so we're excited to get those out to you. We appreciate those. that The last, the last, today. the last, the very last of the ones that say Silk Dan in the mod. So yeah. Uh, if you wanna if you wanna collect those Stadium and Gale joint, grab that now. It's gonna be worth some money one day, right? You know? and, and and if you want, I'll even sign it for you. I'm not sure if anybody wants that, but if you do, put in a special note and I'll uh, I'll sign it for you on the back. Put a special note in uh, for you. Um, I can't promise that Silk will do it, but uh, you know who knows. You know maybe we'll we'll see what we can do there. Yeah, I got uh, <laughs> But outside of that, let's get on to shouting out our friends over at Roof Soldier. Uh, before we dive too far in, uh, RoofSoldier.com, one eight seven seven roofs fl Again, if you are looking for a new roof, if you're looking for a replacement to your roof, give them a call. They're offering up to $1,000 off of your roof replacement. So if it's leaking, if your insurance company is making you replace your roof, if you just bought a new home and you know that you need to get a new uh, replacement of your roof, mention Stadium and Gale, you'll get $1,000 off. one eight seven seven roofs fl 877 Seven six six three seven three five. Mention Stadium and Gale, and you will get a thousand dollars off of your roof. Silk, we got a big time announcement to make. We said it last week. We wanted everybody's opinions and thoughts on it, but we're bringing on a third guest onto our show, our third host. Pardon me. Word up, man. Uh, I'm very excited to announce that uh, Nick Delatora from uh, Rivals.com. Uh, formerly Gator Country, he's been around. Everybody know who Nick is, man. I'm excited to work with Nick, friend of mine. Um, before the, before podcasting or any of this, and I'm excited to actually work with him. So let's go. Nope. Nick has been a friend of mine since about 2013. Him and I got the chance to meet uh, when I lived in Orlando and he was finishing up school. He was just a uh, a writer for Bleacher Report at the time, maybe had two, 300 followers. Uh, him and I got the chance to connect. Uh, and now he's blown up. He's a 20,000 person guy. Now he's a big, uh, big wig on the, the football scene, the basketball scene, and the baseball scene. Nick is an incredible guy. He's going to add a ton to our show. Analytics, commentary. Uh, he's relatively funny. Um, I would put him as the third funniest host that we'll have on our show, but he's definitely yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, it's not, not a bad place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely worse places to be. Right. Uh, but Nick is an incredible guy. If you're not familiar with him, follow him on Twitter at Delatory uh, is his uh, handle. And so his first episode is going to be next week. And of course, we couldn't have a first episode with Nick Delatory without bringing on some punters, right? Yeah, we'll so. talk about that. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> about that. Uh, well, I do want to say I'm excited about having Nick on and, and that presence. He's at Pressers. Uh, he, he gets to ask Dan questions. He's around the program a lot. So to have that presence on the show, and we're still going to bring former players on that kick it with us during the season to give us their their uh, opinions on what they're seeing during, during the games and whatnot. So we'll still get that player aspect of, on the show. But most importantly, I'm just happy that for Nick to come on like, He's very close to the program and close to a lot of players. Yeah, Nick is going to be an incredible guy. He's been around the program since 2013. Uh, he's got a lot of relationships. He's got a lot of inside scoop. Uh, and he hasn't had a podcast in in probably six months now. So I know that he's excited to get back into the podcasting game. Uh, he's still going to be on Rivals. He's still going to be doing all this stuff on Twitter. He's just going to be an awesome voice for us. He's going to get us 
a little bit more plugged in. He's going to offer a different voice, a different perspective. Uh, maybe, you know, even provide us with some, some information that we may not know or information that's talked about outside of, you know, normal daily conversation on the internet. So we're excited to bring him on. I think he rounds us out really well. He brings on that analytical, uh, you know, Peace with being at pressers as well, uh, and and knowing the the insides and out of, of how the athletic department is run. He's he's about as plugged in as anybody's going to be. Uh, but like you said, Silk, we've talked to probably what three or four players that have said that they want to come on uh, during the fall uh, to help us break down the game, uh, give us their insights, give us their tips. Uh, some some recommendations came in on Twitter of some folks that we're going to reach out to. Absolutely, but we're looking forward to bringing on some new voices as well in the fall to help us bring. Uh, you know, some more insight into the football program. This is still going to be a podcast that's built around the conversations that we're having, you know, in real life with our friends on, on Twitter, um, you know, and on the message board. So we're excited to see what Nick does and, and what he brings to the table. Uh, but he's going to be a permanent third host. So we're super excited to bring Nick on to the show. Let's see. Um, so let's get into some of the announcements that were made. Uh, a football analyst has been hired. Tyson Summers, uh, the former head coach uh, at Georgia Southern, uh, is coming on to be an analyst onto the uh, the football team. I think that that's a great get. Have you been able to do uh, much uh, reading into him or, or what he brings to the table? No, nah, I don't deep dive on the analysts anymore. We've made a lot of analyst hires. It's always good when you're getting former head coaches and guys that 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 coach on a high level, um, because they help you prep for games and tendencies and things like that, right? Yep. We, okay. Um. So he won't be involved in any recruiting. I like I like all those hires. Um. That that room is going to be a revolving door of guys. But one of our analysts is a quarterback coach now, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and I know Dan Mullen really likes to to highlight people that, you know, there could be an opportunity in the future for them to, to come on staff. But anytime you can add a guy, you know, previously was the defensive coordinator at Colorado for the previous two seasons. Uh, before that, he was a defensive quality assistant coach uh, at G the University of Georgia uh, right after his two-year stint as head coach at Georgia Southern. So excited to bring uh, him in. And excited to to see what he brings uh, to the table. You know, it's always good, like you said, Silk, to bring folks that were former defensive coordinators, especially at Power 5 schools and former head coaches. You just never know what they're going to bring. Uh, I know there's some confusion on what his role will be. I know some people have said that he's going to be a defensive analyst. Uh, I know previously Dan Mullen has hired people for the opposite side of the ball that they normally coach on. So normally Dan Mullen would bring on a defensive-minded coach to be an offensive analyst. Uh, but again, right now it seems like he is going like to stay on the defensive side of the ball. I'd like to break down everybody else's staff around the league. Like, what, what other analysts, like, what style are they doing? Because I, like, I know Dan likes to do that. He'll take an offensive guy and make him a defensive analyst. I wonder if there's other programs doing that same thing. I think Nick usually bring guys on, just let them work in a strong suit with the offense, right? Right. I think I think the the goal in you know in mind is obviously to challenge what some thoughts are to to give a an idea of what the opposite side of the ball is thinking when you call a certain player right, or run a certain right. set, uh, which I think you know certainly brings value. But certainly, uh, I understand both sides uh, of wanting a guy that has coached offensive side of the ball to continue to coach and bring ideas to the offensive side of the ball. So I don't know if there's a right way to, to do things or a wrong way to do things. I'll do some analysis and I'll reach back or uh, we can talk about that next week. But that's a good Good. Uh, that's a good breakdown. We can do Alabama, Georgia, right? You know, pick you know three or four other schools that are that are doing it that have bigger staffs and, and see what they're doing. But uh, again, Tyson Summers, 
uh, formerly of Georgia Southern, uh, Colorado, and now will be an assistant on, uh, at the University of Florida on the uh, or an analyst. Pardon me. With that being said, basketball two weeks ago had a hell of a, a week when it came to adding Brandon McKissick and CJ Felder. Uh, they topped it this week by adding two more. Uh, the fir- they started off last week bringing on uh, Myron Jones or Myrion Jones, pardon me, from from Penn State. Uh, he was a he's a six foot three hundred and eighty pound guard. He averaged fifteen point three points, two point seven rebounds, and two assists last season. Uh, shot thirty nine point four percent from the field uh, and thirty nine point five percent from three point range. So Myron Jones is going to come on. I believe he still has two years left to play. Uh, so Florida will welcome him. And then today, on Monday, April 12th, the Gators uh, announced, or he announced, pardon me, that uh, Philandrius Fleming, I believe is how you pronounce it, uh, who averaged 20.1 points and 7.4 rebounds at Charleston Southern and was the Big South Defensive Player of the Year uh, in his junior year, with 2019-2020, and then his uh, his this this season, the 2021 season, uh, he was also the Big South Defensive player of the year uh, is joining the team. I believe from everything that I've gathered that that is a transfer uh, that was not expected uh, to come to Florida and he comes in uh, as a big get for Mike White. So the University of Florida has added four basketball transfers, Philandrus Fleming, Myrion Jones, Brandon McKissick, and CJ Felder uh, to the roster this season. So have you been able to do any deep dive into any of those guys? Or are you just in a wait and see approach with the Florida Gators basketball program? Yeah, I haven't done a deep dive on the transfers. And I mean, I read the, the casual tweets and, and, and the transfer stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm just waiting to see with basketball. Um, I mean, people are hyping these guys up. People are saying that we're getting some good players. So uh, we'll see what, what kind of product we put on the floor. We did have – what did our guys transfer to? We had a guy uh, – Yeah, so Noah Locke is transferring to Louisville. Right. And uh, Asayo Osei Osifo <laughs> uh, is transferring to Jacksonville. Well, ask me. Yeah, Osifo. Osei Osifo is transferring mm-hmm. to Jacksonville. So, right. so, so Noah Locke uh, is um, – it's interesting because I know that he said that he wanted to play point guard, but I don't think that he's going to be playing point guard at Louisville next season. So I almost wonder if he just wanted to go to a, a team that had a, a good chance at a national title run next season, or maybe a deeper run uh, into the NCAA tournament. But that was an interesting transfer to the internet. Again, I will never admit that I'm a basketball guy. That's why we bring Eric on. That's why we're going to bring Eddie Shannon on to talk a little bit about basketball. Uh, but, uh, but again, Noah Locke to, to Louisville. Yeah, I think it's interesting laying this spot. Um, I think menace is a thing. You think you get more menace in Louisville? I don't know. Uh, from the the little bit of research that I did, I don't think that Louisville's roster is completely set for next season either. Uh, but I think that he's going to probably stay at the the two guard position instead of going to the, the point guard position, just based on what their roster looks like and everything else. Doesn't mean that he doesn't have a chance to play point guard uh, at Louisville next season. But I don't think his chances of playing point guard at Louisville were any better than. Or as they say in Louisville, Louisville. Uh, I don't think the chances of him playing point guard there are any better than they would have been at the University of Florida. Gotcha. 
you know, we'll see. Uh, I think that that's the only thing that we can really say about basketball at this point. We'll bring Eric on in maybe the next couple weeks uh, to discuss it a little bit more. But again, Florida adds four transfers over the last two weeks. Uh, Flanders Fleming, Myron Jones, Brandon McKissick, and C.J. Felder. They certainly didn't do us any favors with uh, some of the names, so we'll have to spend the offseason uh, uh-huh. learning them. We got people. So for a minute, I thought we was going to shut down the program. So glad we got some guys. Yeah, glad we didn't shut it down just yet. Well, right. let's, let's do this, Silk. We're going to bring on Eddie Shannon here. Let's give a shout-out to our friend Lee Friedland at the law firm of Friedland and Associates. He's going to help you with auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, and personal injury cases in every jurisdiction within the state of Florida. Give him a call at 1-800-95-INJURED or yourfighthourbattle.com. Again, 1-800-95-INJURED, yourfighthourbattle.com. Let's bring on Eddie Shannon to talk about his time at UF and what he's up to now. Five, six, one, goat. Let's hang out, man. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is a 5-6-1 legend, according to Silk, uh, but definitely a University of Florida basketball legend, Eddie Shannon. Eddie, how are you doing this evening, my friend? Uh, doing well, man. I think I'd like to thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure to do anything Gator-related. Yeah, awesome. Eddie, well, we're excited to to, uh, to chat with you a little bit. but So as we said, native of West Palm Beach, you got Silk all excited in a, in a, in a tizzy over there. Talk to us a little bit. You, you've got an interesting basketball story, so I want to hear. Clarify that, man. It's actually Rivera. It's actually Rivera. Now we're talking. For those that don't know the exact geography of West Palm Beach, uh, Rivera. So, uh, Eddie, want to talk to you. You've got an interesting story um, that started, I guess, when you were – about 10 years old and then ultimately led you to the University of Florida. So I want to hear a little bit about your, your childhood and some of your basketball, uh, how you got in, and, and then ultimately what led you, you know, to the University of Florida. Oh, man. It's, um, I mean, I've been playing, I was playing, I started playing basketball at age five or six, lived like two doors down from the park, played three sports baseball, football, basketball um, year round. And, you know, I just had a passion, you know, for the game. And obviously, coming from where I come from, you know, and, and watching the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball felt like my best opportunity, obviously, was, you know, to, to try to become a pro. You know, so, you, you know, you have your idols, the Isaiah Thomases, the Michael Jordans, and you want to kind of be like those guys. So, you know, once I fell in love with the game and fell in love with sports, period, you know, that was my dream. That was always my dream. Um, and, you know, just a little bit about my background, you know, when I was about 13 years old, playing in the park, uh, little throwing rocks, you know, as a kid, doing what kids do, um, got hit in the eye with the rock, um, ended up, long story short, ended up blind in my right eye, right? Well, let me go back. I ended up just a simple swollen eye, um, nothing too severe. But that night that I got hit, I played in a football game, which caused a blood clot in my eye. So once the blood clot happened, I ended up having to have surgery, had surgery. It was not a great. It was not successful. There was blood left in my eye, got infected, ended up having a cataract, had the cataract removed. Fast forward. Um, I never regained vision back in my right eye. Right. But I didn't tell anyone. Um, and 
to this day. And that was at the age of 13, 14. So anytime I took a physical, I would just say, hey, I just had surgery within the last six months. I'm supposed to get my uh, vision back. I did the same thing when I got to UF as well. Now, the only reason I came clean with everything is because the summer before my senior year, I started having a lot of pain in my eye and cosmetically it started to look funny and deteriorate. So I had to say something, ended up going to an eye doctor. He said, hey, you will never have vision in this eye. And as a matter of fact, in order to, you know, to reduce the pain, mitigate the pain and cosmetically, um, we will have to remove your eye, you know, the, the nerves and all of that stuff of the of the eye. So that happened right before my senior season. Uh, had a had a conversation with Billy uh, right after that, after the surgery and everything. Um, he said, hey, um, he didn't know that I had been dealing with that, you know, since the age of 13, 14. He said, hey, you know, you're welcome to keep your scholarship. If you don't want to play anymore, I understand. And I was like, come on, coach. It goes without question, man. I'm, you know, I'm hooping. I've been playing like this. No one knew. Now it's just it's out. That's the only thing. So. Senior season happens. I, you know, they told me the only way I could play is with goggles. And I hated the goggles, but, you know, I love the game. So I did what I was told. And, you know, had, we had a pretty good senior season. Um, following that, ended up playing overseas for 12 years um, in, I think, nine different countries. Had a great time, man. Um, had a lot of success. Won a couple championships. Um, won, a, won a couple individual awards. Had a really good career. Was 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 very satisfied with what I was able to come up with, didn't play in the NBA as I wanted to. Felt like I was good enough, played with a lot of NBA guys. Um, but at the end of the day, I got paid a lot of money to play the game that I love. And um, I fulfilled a dream that I always wanted. Um, retired when I was about 34, 35. Came back, moved back to uh, Miami Miramar area um, where I had a house there while I was playing. So once I stopped playing, I moved back to, to Florida. And then I started coaching, uh, coach at South Miami High School for half a season. And then I, right after that season, I went to Palm Beach Atlantic and I was there for three years. I was coaching at Palm Beach Atlantic for three years, left Palm Beach Atlantic, went to Chattanooga with Matt McCall, who was on the Gator staff for a couple of years with Billy. He got the head coach, coaching job at Chattanooga. So I, I joined him there. Was there two years with him. Then he went to UMass. I went to Canisius up in New York. Um, and then two years after two years at Canisius, came back to Chattanooga. And we've been having a lot of success here. Had a lot of success with Matt as well. Had success at Canisius. Um, so been enjoying coaching, man. And, and so far, that's the, the catch up on my story so far. You've been busy, bro. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very busy, man. And that's what it's all about. I mean... You know, I, I knew the next chapter for me after playing was coaching. And I get a lot of fulfillment from it. Um, just being able to pour back into these kids as as people poured into me. And it's crazy because, you know, I could look at each one of them and see myself. And I love the passion, the determination, the dreams these guys have. And I just try to do my best to help those guys fulfill it. I don't try to kill dreams. I try to be realistic with the guys, but at the end of the day, I try to help them reach reach their fullest potential. And that's not just as basketball players, but as people to be well-rounded because I feel like right. you know, when I was coming up, he's like, oh, I was known as a basketball player, the Hooper, but it was so much more to me than that. And I try to get these guys to 
um, to build relationships with people outside of basketball, um, follow your other passions as well as, you know, obviously, you, you know, you want to fulfill your dreams of being an NBA playing overseas, whatever, get paid to play the game. But at the same time, you want to be more than just that because the ball is going to stop bouncing one day. And then what, what else are, what, what else do you have to offer the world? Eddie, I want to go back to you, like losing your vision. Now, you, you, you were, you're a pretty good basketball player with, with the lack of vision. Do you ever have that? What if? Um, do you ever think? What if you had your vision? What, what, what your career would have been like? I mean, in hindsight, I, I have, but while I was in it, not at all, man. It's quite, it's crazy because I never thought about it. I never, and I never would blame like a bad shooting night or a bad night, a poor performance, on, on that. I mean, just naturally, I didn't. But obviously, I'm older, and I think back to, like, man, what if that that day never happened? And what if I had, you know, vision in both eyes? You know, I, I do, you know, nowadays think about it. But when I was in it, man, I never thought about that. Uh, uh, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you. So, Eddie, I, I want you were there when when Billy Donovan was was kind of just starting his career. You took the team to the Sweet 16, kind of early in, in Billy Donovan's career. What what ultimately brought you to Florida, and, and what was Billy Donovan like at those kind of those younger ages? I mean, we you know, we hear a lot about Billy Donovan now, the coach that you know won multiple national championships, is considered one of the best college you know coaches of all time. But you know, when you joined his team, he was still young, relatively new. You know, it's University of Florida. What was it about him that convinced you to to go to the University of Florida? Well, so I actually committed. So out of high school, I committed to Arizona, Lute Olson, Arizona. Um, I was highly recruited. Um, I was one of, you know, a top 30 player in the country. Um, I pretty much had my pick of the litter choice in choice of schools, right? The only school that I actually wanted to go to, they did have somebody in front of me and that was Stefan Marbury. So, um, <laughs> I've heard of him. Um, but I ended up committing to Arizona, Ludos and Damon Stoudemire. Um, that was my host on my visit. I committed on my visit. Came back home to Florida. High school coach said, hey, man, no, you can't do that. <laughs> you need to take a visit to another school. And the reason why, like, I, I knew I wasn't going to take all my visits. I didn't like the recruiting process because, you know, me, I'm an introvert, and I just didn't like feeling all those calls and all of that stuff. So I wanted the process over quickly. Um, but anyways, so he my, my high school coach convinced me to take a visit to Florida with Lon Kruger. So they flew down in a private jet, picked me up, brought me back to campus. It was – I can't remember who the football team was playing that weekend, but, you know, the, the rest was history after that. I had an extremely good time. Um, and it was, it was like, man, it's, it's three, hour, three and a half hours from Palm Beach. Um, I could go home on the weekends, you know, if I want, all of that stuff. So I ended up decommitting from Arizona and committing to Florida. Now, once I decommitted from Arizona – Jason Terry, who was committed to Washington, he committed from Washington and commits to Arizona and obviously goes on, wins a national championship and has a great NBA career. So um, probably should have stayed, stayed with it. <laughs> um, so, I, so I spent a year with Lon Kruger. Um, Lon's a great guy, great coach. Uh, when he decided to leave, it was kind of bittersweet for me because, like, I love the staff. I love Lon. But the style of play just wasn't what I, you know, was used to 
playing up and down, using my speed and quickness and, you know, just a, a fast-paced game. Long's more slow it down. Now, later in his career, if you watch his Oklahoma teams, they were, whoo, they get the ball off the court. They shoot a lot of quick shots. But that wasn't the case back then. So he decides to go to Illinois. And I didn't want to transfer right away. I wanted to see who Florida was going to bring in. And Jeremy Foley brought in, you know, Billy Donovan. And as he was known back then, as Billy the Kid. And all you heard was great things about him at Marshall and playing in the, in the Southern Conference, which is the conference that I coach in now. Um, but he had success. They were a young staff. It was uh, Billy, Anthony Grant, who's at Dayton, Donnie Jones, who's at Stetson right now, and John Pelfrey, who's at Tennessee Tech. All you know, head coaches have been head coaches for many years. Um, that crew came in, and they were young, vibrant, and everything that I wanted in terms of a coach for me. Um, and so it was a no-brainer for me to stay and, you know, ended up having a pretty good career. Billy, I mean, it was just something – you knew something was different about him when the first day he walked on campus. Just his passion for the game, his knowledge of the game, his his drive to to get the best out of you. And he knew how to relate to players and how to push buttons to get the best out of each guy. Perfect. So what was that What was that transition like? And I, I thought that you, you had come in the same year he did. So what was that transition like? Obviously, you liked him as a coach and you liked him from, from what you heard. But what was the difference? Obviously, there's a change in, in basketball and in pace. But what was it like in the locker room? What was it like learning a new scheme under a coach that you didn't commit to that kind of gets thrown on you in your second season? Mm-hmm. Okay. So for me, the transition, the only difficult part about it was um, – Billy came in and it was, I mean, you know, it was a kicking time. Like he was, he was pulling no punches. He was in your face, down your throat, go hard or go home type, type, uh, it, type of atmosphere. And he was young. He was energetic. The coaches were young. Those guys got on the court. So not only did they tell you and, and talk to you about doing certain things, they got on the court at times and, and did what they had to do to show you like, Hey, it can be done. Um, and they believed in guys and they knew that in order with, with the team that we had at the time, they knew that in order for us to have a chance in the SEC, uh, that we had to play a certain way. We had to play fast. We had, which, which that was Billy style. Anyway, we had to press for 40 minutes and we had to get up a lot of three balls. Um, that was, that was our chance. Now I'll tell you just watching Billy over the years, um, his coaching style changed. But it changed as he got better talent, too. You know, it was more uh, like with us, it was in your face. Um, you know, it was a lot of, you know, he was a yeller and a screamer, but he showed, showed you that he loved you. Um, he was definitely caring. That whole coaching staff was. Um, but when I watched him over the years, he was more, uh, more laid back, more conservative with those guys. But I think those guys were much more talented than some of the teams that we had, obviously. Uh, Eddie, football is king in um, Palm Beach County. How did you end up playing basketball in Rivera? I know, like, around here, like, they, yeah. basketball ain't really the thing. It's, it's, we got some hoopers around here, but basketball ain't really where everybody packing out the uh, the game, unless it's D-Hop. It's a little different at D-Hop. But yeah. Yeah. how did you end up playing basketball? Man, you know, AAU, man. So Riviera Beach Suns, man. Shout out to Randy Jones, Will, Ron Robinson, rest, rest in peace, and Willie Shelton. I mean, we started, you know, just AAU um, in the parks, 
at Wells Gym Tate Recreation Center. I'm sure you I'm sure you heard, heard of those places. But I grew up in those gyms, man, and we would be there all day religiously. Um, I played, like I said, I played football too, but I just had a passion and a love for basketball. And to be honest with you, you know, if I had it all over to do again, I would have kept playing football. And I played football through the 10th grade and, and baseball through the 10th grade. And if I had it, if I know what I, if I knew then what I know now, I would have kept playing all, all, all three sports. Um, I was pretty good in all three. And, but I just had a different kind of passion for basketball, man. Um, even though that was probably the hardest sport to make it for me, you know, being 5'11", um, you know, I probably, you know, had a better probability of going to the NFL um, as a wide receiver or cornerback than as a 5'11 point guard. But, hey, you know, um, I just had a different type of love for basketball. And I and I stopped playing both football and baseball so that I could play basketball year round. I had missed the first spring uh, season of uh, basketball. And after that, I was like, I'm not missing it again. Eddie, who's most responsible? Because you you're from Rivera Beach, a lot. Of, uh, most of the listeners probably don't know a lot about it, but you're also from Monroe Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, the infamous Monroe Heights. Yeah, sure. Uh, how, how how did you? Who do you credit, or what do you credit to for making it out? Because we get it's a lot of ball players from from Rivera, Monroe Heights, but everybody don't make it out. So who you credit that to? I would have to say, man, people like Gary McKinnon. Uh, you may I don't know if you know little Gary, but little Gary, Gary McKinnon Jr. is my age. His dad, who, who that's who started me in Pee Wee League basketball. But um, all the guys at Monroe Heights, the the Donald Runners, the Lorenzo Hattons, the man, it's so many, it's so many guys that that helped me. But I tell you, man, I still remember the day. I think the best decision I made was going to Newman. Um, and it was my competitive spirit that made me go there because, you know, I had played with all of those guys that went to Suncoast and Dwyer and Palm Beach Gardens. I mean, we played, we grew up playing together forever. I wanted to play against them. And I remember Murray Smith was in Wells and he was, he, you know, he was a brand new head coach at, at Cardinal Newman. And he was in there to see Fermaine Jones, which is Randy Jones' son, uh, I'm sorry, brother. But Gary was telling him about me. And the next day he shows up at my house with my grandmother and say, hey, I, you know, <laughs> and I, I want to go to Newman. I knew nothing about Cardinal Newman, but it was something different. So I just tried it. And I think that was the best decision that I had made, to be honest with you. And that's how, you know, I got out. And I didn't have a have a thirst to run the streets like a lot of my other friends did. You know, we hung out during the day and we hung out late at night. But my hanging out was, you know, I was at the court and then I was home. You know, they may hang out a little bit more than than that. And I just didn't have a thirst for that for whatever reason. All right. What's your uh, favorite Gator moment, favorite Gator game? What was was your um, one you look back on the most? I would say the time that we beat Kentucky at Kentucky. I would say the first. I think that's the. Uh, I want. I want to say that's the first time that Florida had ever won at Rupp Arena, but that was a game. You know, uh, Jason Williams was a part of that. Brent Wright, Major Parker, um, Kenyon Weeks, Greg Stokes. But 
I want to say that's one of my favorite moments. Had, had I made that shot in the Sweet 16, that would have been my favorite moment. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, you have you had an illustrious career at UF. You still rank as the all-time leader in steals. You're number five all-time on assists. In 2015, you were named an SEC basketball legend. Now, a lot of accomplishments at the University of Florida, obviously that Sweet 16 um, as well. What's your favorite accomplishment you know, looking back, I know you had a couple of other accolades. I know you won a, a Frontier Award for off-season or uh, off-the-court work and everything else. But what's your favorite accomplishment uh, during your four years at UF? Man, uh, I'll say this. I'll say this. Like, I wish, you know, during my, my, my years at UF that we would have won a little more. Um. I know that, you know, I talk to Billy all the time and I talk to, you know, guys like Donnie Jones, Tim Maloney, and they always call my group the foundation of the success. But um, I just feel like we should have and could have won more um, outside of that, that the last two years. I wish we would have won more. But if I had to say my, my favorite accolade, it's crazy because I'm not really an individual guy, but one of the things that I did notice is that through all of the great players that Florida's had that, you know, I'm the only one that has over 200 steals. So I would say that's probably my favorite only because it's, it's singled out in that way. And, and Florida's had some tremendous players come through there. And for that to still be standing period is, is phenomenal. So I would say if I had to pick one, but that's, you know, that's not really my thing. I just, I wish we would have won more, to be honest with you. Hmm. Eddie, what do you want your legacy to read now? What are you, what are you um, passionate about these days? I know you're in the coaching, um, but everybody, a lot of people coach. What are you passionate about these days? Man, I'm just, I'm just passionate about helping people and, and building credible relationships and doing things the right way, man. That's, that that's, that's pretty much all. And, and it's kind of, it's weird because, you know, when I was in high school, my, my high school coach would always preach to me humility and pride and all of that stuff because I was I was a little arrogant in high school. Now that changed as I got older. And the more I reflect on that stuff, man, and, and it's like I wish I knew so much more when I was in high school. I would do so 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 many more things differently in terms of, um, you know, being humble, uh, having humility. Uh, I was always kind to people, um, but he, he, even that a little more, um, being more of a mentor in the community and, and, and just, just helping people. I feel like we're missing that a little bit in the world today. Um, and, you know, you talk about legacy, it's more so just, just somebody that did things the right way, man, was always kind of treated everybody the same. Um, yeah. That's it, man. You know, and, and you know, if I, I, gotta, I gotta ask you the tough questions too, man. It can't be all layup, so I gotta ask you. What no, what what do you rank yourself? Uh Palm Beach basketball, D Hop is probably uh one. Right? Well you we got yourself in the in the in the pecking order. <laughs> oh man. And so you go. You know, Derek Harper won for sure. D Harper, I mean, let me see. I text my pops, man. My pops said, Hold on, who'd your, who'd your pop say? 
Let me see. Hold on. He said, D Hop, he got Eddie Shannon, Otis Thorpe, Goldwire, Jack Emanuel. Man, your pop's good people. I wouldn't put myself that high, to be honest with you. Who you got? I would probably go, de definitely, I, I would stay with Derek Harper. Um, and then I'd probably go Otis Thorpe. See, I would put Goldwire third, but when you think about high school, Goldwire was good, but in high school, he I wouldn't right. say he was necessarily the best. He just kind of got really good over time. Um, I, but I would throw like guys like Alonzo G in there. But Alonzo G, I forgot. He recent, yeah. too. Yeah. He I recent. Put, yeah. I would put, I would put, uh, I would go Hop, Otis Thorpe, uh, Richard Relford, and then I go Jack Emanuel, and then I throw Alonzo G in there. I wouldn't even put myself in there, man. Gotcha. I like that. You know. Humility. Yeah, yeah, man. But I mean, them ball players too. Them ball players. It's not a. It's not a basketball county, but those are some ball players, man. And congratulations, you got into the Palm Beach Hall of Fame a few years back. Congratulations on that. Not a lot of people in that, man. Um, I, I I I appreciate that, man. And and yeah, that meant a lot to me too. I mean, just just any kind of recognition from your peers, man. Again, I'm not a person that's big on individual accolades. Obviously, you want to be recognized for 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 doing well, um, but. You know, that's, yeah, I'm I'm not big on that stuff. What do you think about the team now? You, I was you just reading about. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. No, I was going to say something completely unrelated, but I was reading a because I'm from Broward County, okay. um, a, a much more significant athletic county. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but I was reading a a list of players that uh, that went to Palm Beach or that went to high school in Palm Beach and. And you had a pretty good list. The only name that you guys didn't mention, and I'm very surprised, was a gentleman by the name of Laverne Tart in 1968 from Roosevelt High School. And now I have no idea who that is. I'll say this, you know, like I, I hear from, the, you know, the older guys from Palm Beach about the Roosevelt teams. Mm. I do. So, you know, I, I can't speak on those guys because I don't know them, never saw them play. But I do know that, that I think those teams are pretty good back in the day from what I've heard. Silk knows that I always like to give shout-outs to the boys from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pre <laughs> Dan, Dan like, likes pre-segregation pre basketball. Oh, come on, yeah. come on. Uh, <laughs> when, the short, when the shorts were 11 inches above the knee. Dan, what high school did you go to? I went to uh, the illustrious and athletically uh, gifted high school, Coral Springs High School. Oh, okay, Coral Springs. Cool. We, we have uh, zero basketball players that have probably made it anywhere <laughs> close to even <laughs> sniffing the NBA draft. So, he's he's the goat from his school, man. <laughs> Tell you everything you need to know. That's, uh, me, me, Steve Hutchinson, and Walter Dix is about all we've got from my high school. Walter, so who, who's who's you grew up watching? Who's your favorite basketball player, Eddie? I mean NBA wise, yeah. So it's crazy. My my favorite all time player of all time is Dominique Wilkins. Mm. Um, that was my favorite player. Now, obviously MJ. You know everybody loved Mike. I was a big MJ fan. And when you talk point guards, I was Isaiah Thomas. I called him the real Isaiah Thomas. Um, uh, Maurice Cheeks. Mm. And if I had to pick another one. From back in the day, I would probably go 
John Stockton. Oh, wow. You know, but I was a big time Isaiah Thomas fan because I was, you know, I was like more scoring point guard and he was a scoring point guard, but I could also morph into a distributing point guard. And Isaiah was the same way. So I really liked watching him play. And Maurice Cheeks was the same, was the same way. And it's coincidentally, Mo Cheeks worked with Billy and Oklahoma City Thunder. I seen I, I seen or I heard somewhere that you played against Mike White somewhere. No, so Mike White played. We played together. So uh, I think this. I don't know if this was before my junior or senior year, but at ABCD camp, which I don't know if they still have, but um, that's the Sonny Vaccaro and all of those guys. Um, Mike White was on my team. We, that's the first time I had met Mike, and he was on. He was on my team, and I had and you know I think he was the. I think we, it was him and one other guy that you know was only two white guys on our team, and we probably had like. 13 to 14 guys. And uh, but he was tough. Like Mike Mike fit in. He was tough. Didn't say a whole lot, but was just tough. And then obviously somebody wrote did Mike White call the plays. It's on the clipboard. Uh, um, but so then Mike ended up going to Ole Miss and I'm at Florida. So we played against each other for four years. But the one thing that I always respected about Mike was he did not have a lot of flair or flash, but he was tough and he got the job done. You can say what you want to him. You could score on him. You could take his ball. I mean, he was going to be solid. He was going to make open shots. He was going to run their offense, and he was just going to be tough. And that and that's what I always respected about him as a player. I was going to ask you this earlier. What do you think about the team and Mike White as a coach uh, at UF right now? I mean, I, I love watching those guys play, man. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm always rooting for the Gators. Um, I think they've done a great job uh, for the most part. Um, I love what they're doing right now with the recruiting and the guys that they've signed, um, you know, in the transfer market, in this transfer atmosphere, this phenomena that's going on, man, it's hard to keep players. Um, I think they've adapted. They lost some good guys, and I think they've, they've signed some good guys. So, um, I'm rooting for those guys, and again, if we're not playing against them, man, I, I'm, I'm 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 a big time Gator fan, and you know I'm always texting Mike, you know, before games, saying, "Hey, good luck," and and all that. Go Gators! And I'll be honest with you, I was I was gonna go to the SEC tournament um, because we had we lost the first round of our tournament, and I was watching the Tennessee game. Had they won the Tennessee game, I was going to go to the next game because we were only like an hour and 15 minutes from Nashville. Mm. Eddie, I want to talk to you. You brought up a, a point about the transfer market and, and the transfer portal and everything else. You know, the game of basketball has completely changed. You know, Florida lost four transfers. They're bringing four new guys in. They might be bringing in some more. How does the process, you know, how do you as a coach – deal with that um, kind of the, the recruiting of a player bring him on campus and then kind of the the consistent recruiting during their four years on campus to try to keep them bought into the vision and everything else but obviously the transfer portal has changed I think there was 1300 players in the portal how has the transfer portal changed the way that you guys have to coach and build a roster well is it's we know now that you you could have a different roster every year. So, I mean, obviously you got to recruit your players during the year. You got to, you know, continually recruit your own as well, coach them as well as recruit them. Um, especially once the season ends, but 
you have to be okay with guys leaving for absolutely no reason. You know, we had a guy leave who played 30 minutes a game, started every game for us, but he left. Okay. Not this year, but in the years past. Um, no issues with the coaches, had good relationships with everybody, but it, it, it just happens for, for whatever reason. And you have to be okay with that. Um, you don't have to be happy about it, but understand that it's a part of what's going on and you, you, you try to do your the best you can in coaching those guys. And if you can keep your core group, that's great because what happens is for that next season, it makes it, it, it makes your starting starting point further along than it normally is because it's nothing better than having players that have been in the program able to coach a new player. You know, that's, I mean, that, that pushes your, your, your progression towards the season further along. But when you have to recruit, when, when, if, when you have to teach players every single year, your system, I mean, it slows the progress. And sometimes you get guys in. Some, some guys, it takes longer to learn things than it takes other guys. So if you got a group that it takes a longer time to learn things, it, it can slow down the start of the season and, you know, things can get rocky. If you have guys that can pick up things quickly, you know, it can, it can be the opposite. But I tell you, it, it's a tall task. You know, it's, it's a tall task. And the thing that these kids don't understand, I believe, is that, there's 1,300-something names. There's not that many roster spots. Mm-hmm. You understand? And I think some of these kids just follow a trend. You know, and it's the it's the generation of they want everything instantly. It's no it's no it's no process to anything. You know, I was talking on uh, Patrick Young's podcast, and what I was telling him was, you know, when I was playing, you know. Now, I was fortunate, okay, to come in as a freshman and start, but that's rare. Um, normally, you come in as a freshman. You're playing behind somebody that's a junior who's probably an all-conference type player. And then once he graduates, then you'll be that junior who's starting. And then they'll be bringing in somebody behind you that's a freshman. Well, that process is long gone now. It's If I come in as a freshman and I'm not playing 25 minutes, I'm most likely going to be in the transfer pool. Yeah, and and, right. and nowadays you've got to coach every single player from the best player to the worst player on the team. Everybody's maintenance now. Hmm. You know, so that, but but that's 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 what it is. And we as coaches, we have to adapt, and we got to figure out a way, hey, to get players in to to teach our culture, to coach them up, and try to win games. Because if you don't, hey, right. you know you, you know how that goes. I don't want to hold you too long, but what do you think? How do you think that Porter and all what you're talking about now is going to affect, or, or how does that change when likeness come into play? When say that again, the last part. When likeness, when they could get played off their, uh, paid off their likeness. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a, that's a that's a really really good question, and I don't even think I had an answer to that, but. Them getting paid off their likeness, I, I, I think it's going to span over, you know, not just staying at one particular school. Um, if I'm, you know, say the caliber of like a Zion Williamson and well, let's just not let's not say I can I can leave in a year. But if if I'm if, if I can get paid from signing autographs, then 
Will I stay in? Probably not. I think it's still going to be, I think it's going to still come down to the minutes I'm playing, the, the, the volume of shots I get, the, um, how do I like my role in the team? I don't, I don't think the likeness is going to change anything because if I can get paid for doing autographs in Chattanooga, I can get paid in, in Gainesville for doing autographs. Right. I, I, either way. But now right. when, when, if, if that starts to happen, the likeness, then you're going to, I mean, you could have some serious issues going on in terms of, you know, gray area stuff. Yeah, compliance stuff. Yeah. yeah. It'd get a little gray, get a little murky. Yes. Yes. Um, Eddie, want to ask you, uh, obviously you're coaching now. You've, you've had a, a good career kind of climbing the ladder now. Who do you model your coaching after or, um, you know, how do you find inspiration in, in coaching? Well, I try to pull bits and pieces from, from, from everybody, man, I, because I think, I think everybody has their own unique style and I try to pull what works for me, what, what I can blend in with my personality you know, I, I try to, you know, I try to be myself, obviously, but being a former player, I try to get into the mindset, okay, if I'm still playing, how would I feel about this? How would I feel about that? I try to build credible relationships with my players so that I can get them to move, like show them that, hey, you know, hey, I, you're not just a basketball player to me, you're a person and we have a relationship. You know, I'm going to coach you hard, but I'm not just going to I'm going to show you that I care about you first. You understand? So that when we need to get things done, whether it's on the court, off the court, whatever the case may be, that, you know, it's not for me, for my personal game. No, it's for us. You know, and, and then after you're done playing, you know, we still have that same relationship. Hmm. You understand? But, you know, I try, you know. One of my mentors, Reggie Witherspoon at Canisius, he does a great job in terms of, you know, just the psychology of the game and talking to guys and, and, and getting guys to open up to to him. Um, I try to do a lot of that with our, with our guys off the floor, just just asking random questions, you know, taking them to lunch or, you know, having phone conversations with those guys and getting to know guys beyond the court because you'll be surprised, man, that, that some of the things that these kids will tell you about, you know, maybe their upbringing or things they've gone through or the things that they love and that they like to do, but they don't do certain things because of whatever reasons. Um, there's, and there's so much more to these kids that we actually know. That's the one thing that I've learned as a coach. Eddie, finally, what, what's it like? Uh, obviously, we had the pandemic uh, that we were dealing with. Uh, all of your, your visits were virtual. Uh, you couldn't bring students onto campus. A lot of the communication was, was very limited. What was it like coaching or, I guess, recruiting during the pandemic? And then what was it like coaching during the pandemic? The coaching was a bit different, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, the now <laughs> it's crazy because, I, you know, myself along with our other two assistants we had to practice a lot this year um because of covid and injuries you know we rarely had 10 guys 
you know, practicing. So we had to practice a lot, which which helped us out because we still were able to go up and down five and five. So that so that so that was a bit different because we had to practice pretty much most of the season, which normally, you know, we wouldn't have to do that. Um, having to, you know, have conversations with guys. Hey, when you're when you're not on campus, you know, make sure you guys in your apartments, in your rooms, um, texting each other. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to use the bathroom. I'm going to be in a common area right now. And the one thing I can say, our guys did a tremendous job of doing that stuff. But we had to coach them through how to behave off the court when we're not around in order to prevent. Uh, hiccups with quarantine, contact tracing, and all of that stuff so that we can have a season pretty much. Um, Watching film, you know, normally we would, you know, watch film one-on-one with guys and bring them into our offices and, you know, kind of, hey, we need to get better. Well, now we got to send them video clips, you know, say, hey, you know, kind of talk that, you know, talk through the clips. Hey, okay, right here, you should have been doing this. Okay, this was good right here. Now it's video clips instead of coming into the office and it being more personal. We had to be a little bit more impersonal. When we watched, um, we had to shorten up our team video. Um, you know, uh, we didn't we didn't use our locker room as a uh, as a team. Now we went into one of our big bigger uh, rooms in the arena, and we had the, the chairs spaced out six feet apart, and we shortened up our film session so that. You know, we couldn't have contact tracing in case, case someone came, you know, came down with the virus. Um, and we wore little monitors, you know, during practice and the games just that that kind of kept the data to contact trace in case someone came down with um, with with the virus. You know, um, the way we traveled on the bus, you know, we go every other seat. I mean, it, it was it was a deal. Our guys, they were great. We did not, we did, we, we, everyone stayed here for Christmas. No one went home. No one's family came, came to town. Um, it was a deal. And I know it took a lot out of these guys mentally. Um, and it took a lot out of us coaches mentally as well. Um, it, it was hard, you know, and that goes to say for every school in the country. It was it, it it was not easy to deal with, and it's a big shout out to our guys, man, because I feel like they did a tremendous job of doing the best that they possibly could, trying to stay safe from the virus and trying to, if they did get it, trying to mitigate any spreading of the virus. Man. Well, Eddie, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I think we lost Silk for a minute from some technical difficulties, but uh, let everybody know where they can follow you on social media, uh, follow your career, and uh, we appreciate your time. That's a good question. I think my my uh, Twitter handle is CoShannon14, um, and my IG is, I think, underscore Eddie Shannon. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I, Ed, go ahead. No, I say I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Um, anything Gator, I always follow, man, every single sport. Um, and, again, you know, you guys are doing a great job. And I tip my hat. Go Gators, man, for sure. Absolutely. We appreciate it. You know, Eddie, we, we had Dan Cross on a couple weeks ago. We had you on. I mean, it's great looking back at, you know, Florida Gators basketball, you know, 
before it was this, you know, monolithic, you know, program and, you know, mm -hmm. look at the guys that built it and, and the fact that you guys are still around the program, root for the program uh, and cheer them on is a testament to the University of Florida brand and uh, to good guys like yourself. So keep it up. Uh, best of luck in the rest of your career. Know that we're rooting for you and uh, we'll look forward to having you on in the future, man. But go Gators. Absolutely, man. Go Gators and you guys be good, man. Tell Silk, I say thank you for everything, man. And Hopefully him and I will catch up next time I come down to Palm Beach. Oh, absolutely. He would love that. Um, he would say something like, already. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I appreciate it, Eddie. Thanks so much, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you, Dan. Awesome. Peace, Thanks, man. Eddie. Bye-bye. Eddie Shannon, uh, incredible guy, incredible Gator. Excited to, uh, to welcome him uh, onto the show and uh, appreciate his time uh, this evening. Like I said, we're still missing Silk, but the show is going to go on. He will come back any moment now, but we are going to give a shout-out to our friend Carlton Black and Cardinal Financial. So if you are looking for a mortgage, if you're looking for a refi, if you're looking for any type of home loan, give him a call. Again, he's in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Virginia. Conventional loan, FHA loan, VA loan, fixed rate loan, adjustable rate mortgages, jumbo loans, construction loans, whatever it might be, give him a call, 404-769-5501, carlton.black at cardinalfinancial.com. Again, 404-769-5501, carltonblack at, car at cardinalfinancial.com. Shout out to the storms, man. <laughs> Shout out to the storms. Yeah, I lost y'all lost me for a second there, man. My, my power flickered. Oh man. Well, I uh I gave him a shout out. He said that he wants to hang out with you the next time that uh he's down in the five six one. And I told him that you would have probably responded with already. So not already. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm gonna link up with him. I gotta I gotta holler at him. I want to link up with him. That's what's up. Awesome. Well, so glad to have you back. Sorry we missed you for the for the end of that interview. Had a great uh, little segment there. Uh, but we're going to welcome our friend Will Miles onto the show from his uh, Read and Reaction podcast. He's on Gators Breakdown. Uh, he does a newsletter uh, for Gator Country. Uh, but Will, man, it's we're excited to have you on. I can't believe it's been two years we haven't had you on. So welcome to the show, our friend. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's uh, always good to get together with friends. I know you guys do the panel with Gator Dave. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, it's always good to cross over a little bit. So, Will? Man, Will, we're... Uh, how you guys doing? Uh, pretty good, good man. Good. Just hanging out. Good. So, Will, want to want to talk to you about Gators basketball for a minute. So, we just had Eddie Shannon on the show. Uh, Gators basketball is going through a, uh, a complete transfer of – of names of, of new players. Uh, you wrote an article last week that got a, a little bit of uh, excitement in the Gator Twitter world about the Gators basketball program. Want to get your thoughts on, on basketball. You, you like myself, although you do it much better than me are an analytical guy. You're a stat guy. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you think has been kind of haunting the, the Gators basketball program. And then what are your thoughts on, on these new four transfers that just came in? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing has been defense, right? I mean, if you look at this year in particular, anytime the team gave up more than 70 points, the, the, they lost. And, and that was – you can – 
you can sort of break that down into lineup configurations. You know, Eric Fossa, I know you've had him on before. Um, you know, he talks, he had a nice article today over at Gator Country talking about different lineup configurations and, and how White had interesting lineup configurations out there, in particular against Virginia Tech and then against Oral Roberts there in the tournament. I, but, you know, the biggest thing is just to me, it's, it's a development thing. It's the young guys, it's the five star recruits who are coming in. And, you know, you expect those guys who are top five, top 10 in the country to come in and be stars. And the only guy that they've had come in right now who's really, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, who's been able to take that ranking and convert it into going to the NBA is Trey Mann. Um, you know, obviously, if Scotty Lewis, if, if Noah Locke, if those guys had been, you know, real solid pieces, then this team is a lot better than it was. So the development of the guys they brought in, a little bit of bad luck, right? I mean, snake bit, especially this year with Keontae Johnson going down with, with pretty significant health problems. But, you know, the reality is, is that the team just hasn't improved much ever since the, the year they went to the Elite Eight. I think that's what gets most Gator fans who are anti-Mike White or even just sort of apathetic to the basketball program, not necessarily all that passionate about it, but wanting them to be good. You know, the, the idea that it's just sort of been stagnant over the last four or five years is what gets most people sort of riled up. So do you think it's been stagnant? What's, well, your, you what's your opinion? So, I mean, yeah, my opinion is it's been stagnant. I mean, if you look at – so the stat I used in my article was points per game differential. So how much are they getting beat by or how much are they winning games by? And in the year they went to the Elite Eight, they were up around 11 points. But, you know, obviously that was that was with – with a lot of Billy Donovan's players um, and then it's dropped to six and then down to four and then up to five and then down to three this year. So, you know, from the standpoint of how much are they beating their opponents by over the course of the year, it, it's, it's sort of either sitting sort of stagnant or it's actually going down. You look at guys like, uh, like Scott drew at Baylor started out with a negative point differential, built it up pretty quick by year five and six. He had a higher point differential at Baylor than Mike White has the last two years. And then he built that up to where it's sort of ping pong between eight and 10 until the last couple of years where it went up to, I think like 12 and then 17. So the, um, the patience that people are preaching, um, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who tends to like patience. I wrote an article about Mike White in the end of 2018 and the end of 2019, where I said there was some patience that was needed. But now we're at the end of 2020, you know, or into 2021 season, and we're saying, hey, we still need patience. And I just haven't really seen a marker of a guy who's improving as a coach. He's still, you know, like I mentioned Eric's article, the idea that you would bring in lineups that are non-optimized by the time you get to the 30th game of the year in the tournament. And that's really what cost them the game. The last nine minutes, you know, people will talk about the game slowing down, but a lot of what happened is just lineups that didn't necessarily make sense um, based on the year. If you look at the year long data, they were lineups that were, that had negative net ratings. And those are the guys who were in there with five minutes to play and with three minutes to play. Well, I want to ask you, you mentioned the word apathy before, and that just kind of seems like the general uh, kind of tone of, of Gator basketball fans or just Gators in general, that they're they're not expecting that this team is going to be bad. They're not expecting them to be great. And they, they expect that they're going to get some, some big wins when they don't expect them. They're going to lose some games that they probably uh, should have lost. Um, what can Mike White do to kind of turn the apathy uh, around, or do you almost think it's a, a lost cause at this point? 
No, I don't think it's a lost cause. I mean, I'm not somebody who's out here saying White needs to be fired. I'm just saying that those people who are defending him and who are saying that people who do want him fired are delusional. I don't think that's an accurate assessment of people when you look at the statistics. I think there's good arguments to be made that maybe a change is necessary, but I think you can make some arguments that, that White's done a pretty good job. Um, the big thing is, is I don't necessarily think <clears throat> that just making the tournament is good enough for a program like Florida, a team that's won two national championships and a team that competes at a very, very high level in football, in baseball, in softball, in gymnastics, and all the other sports. You know, the reality is, is that, <laughs> that fans are going to gravitate towards the sports where the where the programs are winning and you're actually seeing that with baseball right now the baseball program struggling a little bit and i'm sure that if they continue to struggle that 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 program will see a little bit of apathy as well it's just the reality is that when you play at that kind of high level you're going to see that sort of apathy as far as what white can do he needs to be better than a seven seed probably single digit losses Right. I mean, if you're a three or a four seed, you got a shot to make the Sweet 16 as a favorite. And I think that's kind of what people are looking for. If you go into the tournament as a seven or an eight seed, you're playing a one or a two that first weekend. It's tough to get out. Now, it felt like maybe we had a shot this year because Oral Roberts beat Ohio State and you had a lower seed then in the second round, but obviously couldn't get the job done there. So um, that's what I would say is probably a three or four seed single digit losses. That's kind of an expectation of you know, just a good SEC team, not a mediocre SEC team, which is what Florida's sort of been the last three or four years. Well, we don't follow basketball as closely as, as some other folks do, and I know that you follow a little bit closer than, than we do. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the four transfers that, that Florida's gotten? Um, it seems like there's been a, a bit of a, a an attention on defense. You know, the guy – uh, that they just got today from Charleston Southern, uh, whose name I've butchered twice already, uh, was the uh, was a, a defensive player of the year twice. Uh, I think McKissick was a a known uh, strong defensive player. Um, what are your thoughts on, on on those four that came in? I mean, I think they've improved. I think they're you know the fact that. <laughs> a large portion of your team transferred out does probably indicate that a lot of those guys were unhappy. So now you're bringing in guys who are happy. You're bringing in guys who are older. These guys, um, in particular, I think Jones and then and then Felder have limited, and I think Fleming as well have limited eligibility left. So they're here for a year or two. Um, they're going to have to integrate quickly. Obviously, they're going to get a lot of minutes. And then the other thing is, is how many balls are there to go around for these guys too? Because you look at Jones, he averaged Marion Jones averaged 15 points per game. McKissick averaged 17. Um, Felder only averaged 10, but still, I mean, that, for a big guy, that's that's fairly significant. And then Fleming averaged 20 there at Charleston Southern. So, you know, I, I think um, I think the emphasis on defense is good. I think the um, they are replacing the guys who've left from a positional standpoint. The sizes of these guys: Jones is a guard, six three; McKissick, six three; Felder, six seven; and then you got Fleming at six four. So they brought they basically replaced the guys that they've they lost. When you think about Lewis, Lockman, and and Payne, the the issue I have is that Trey Mann is an NFL level talent or an NBA level talent, right? I was about so to he, say he's real raw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but but he's a guy who's going to go probably fifteenth or twentieth in the NBA draft. I don't know whether any of these guys are that level. So when you need a bucket, who are you going to go to? And and that was always the hope with with Scotty Lewis. That was always the hope with Locke. That was always the hope with even a guy like Quez Glover, that those guys would be able to help man and get a bucket. Couldn't necessarily do that this year. Um, and, and we'll see. And then the other thing is, is I, I 
think I, I don't know enough about the medical situation to know whether Keontae Johnson's coming back. But if he has the opportunity to play, he was somebody who people were thinking might be, you know, even the SEC player of the year, but certainly an, an all SEC player. And if you got a guy like that out there that you add to the roster that you're maybe not expecting, then maybe they surprise some people. I mean, that, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we're, we're pulling guys from Penn State and Boston College and Missouri, Kansas City and Charleston Southern. Um, they have track right. records, but the, it's not like we pulled three guys from Duke. Right. Mm. Silk, any more basketball uh, questions or do you want to move on to football? Yeah, let's talk about some football. Yeah. Uh, so, so Will, obviously, you you cover a, a lot about the Gators. You, you dive in, you know, very deeply uh, analytical. What are your thoughts, knowing obviously after spring ball and, and what we learned uh, there from from notes, and maybe you watch the Instagram lives. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this team? What are you excited about? Where are your areas of concern? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the offense. I, I think. Um, Seeing how Dan Mullen's able to transition to Emory Jones from having Kyle Trask back there, I think Trask did an excellent job, obviously. Beat out Emory Jones two straight years, really, as the backup quarterback, but uh, and, and then beat him out as a starter last year. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what Mullen can do with a guy who's much more of a dual threat. Emory Jones ran for something like six and a half yards per carry, even when the opposition knew he was running the ball. So this year, when the opposition doesn't know that he's running the ball, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in the ground game. And then certainly, you know, we've sort of talked about for, for years now, the idea of having Trask and Jones as, as like a one-two punch. Um, and that never really materialized. You do wonder whether they'll do that a little bit with Anthony Richardson, bring him in, allow him some of the freedom as well. Um, from a from a concern standpoint, I'm I'm concerned about the secondary still. Um, you know, Jason Marshall all reports out of camp or that he's really sort of taking over at corner. I think the fact that uh, that um, was it Rogers, the cornerback who transferred yeah. out. You know, the fact that you got a guy who's a high level commit transferring out does seem to indicate that maybe somebody younger came in and took his spot. So I think that's a good sign for the secondary. But certainly the secondary got burned an awful lot last year and has a lot to prove. And then you know the two defensive tackles that they brought in as transfers. Grantham's defense is built up the middle. So a guy like Desmond Watson being able to step in and provide something there in the SEC early on, I don't think he needs to be a star, but if he could just be a space eater, sort of occupy a couple of guys up front and let the linebackers run free, um, that could be a significant deal. But, you know, they were really, 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 really thin at defensive tackle until they brought in those two transfers. They're still pretty thin. One injury in the SEC, two injuries in the SEC, and all of a sudden, um, you know, you can't stop the run. So those, that, that, those sort of be the things I'm excited about. I think Dan Mullen has a track record of offensive success. I think we'll see that again this year. Um, but obviously Grantham's the one who's sort of um, who, who everybody is either excited or, or petrified to see how he does this year. And, uh, think, you know, we'll see what he does on defense. I think people just just as uh, petrified to see the offensive line play. Uh, Trout and Gene DeLance is going to be what everybody has their eye on. As far as Hevesy and the development in that room, that room hasn't gotten any better since Hevesy's been here as well. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think DeLance and Reese, one, didn't get an awful lot of time to gel. You think about right the right side of your offensive line, you want 
it, it takes some cohesion. Spring practice is important for those sorts of things. The other thing is, is that Delance, I think, is a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. And I'm not saying he's he's great at either, but I think he's a better <laughs> he's a better run blocker. I think they did run behind him last year, especially in that Georgia game. There were some there were some third and shorts, fourth and shorts, where they ran directly behind Delance. Um, and so he does have the he does have the ability to to move the pile. Uh, another full year in Savage's system, and he's going to be stronger. And so maybe he's able to do that. But he was not the right fit for the offense they were running last year and that caused some problems but that's one of the things this year with the extra blocker having the quarterback run having that run threat where the quarterback isn't necessarily just a statue back behind the offensive line I do think it's going to help the offensive line a little bit but if there's one thing we've seen during all these pro days and all that and and all the stuff that's gone on the skill players have gotten really good reviews but so has Stone Forsyth the left tackle who's not going to be there anymore and so Richard Garage is going to have to really step up and protect Emory Jones blindside because that was something last year you really don't have to worry about you may be worried about the right side of the offensive line but the left side you didn't worry about too much last year and, and a lot of that was attributable to Forsyth yeah I think we that Gene Delance is just shouldn't be on our offensive line I don't think he's good enough to play uh, anywhere in the SEC let alone at UF on the offensive line I think um at this point having since been here long enough to, to have recruited a guy uh, we're just missing on the recruiting trail I think we need to up our recruiting a little bit and development is, is slow um, we'll see what Ethan White turns into and all these other guys. But right now, development in that room is the turnover is slow. You're not going to get any disagreements with me about the recruiting. Um, you know, the, the reality is, is that at least at a Georgia, LSU, or Alabama level, Florida has not gotten there yet, in particular on the offensive line, right? I mean, if you had a guy like Alex Leatherwood at left tackle last year and you could move right. Forsyth over to right, it makes a big difference. And those guys are always sort of on Florida's board, but none of those guys have really made that commitment yet. Um, you do wonder, you know, I, so, you know, we were talking basketball earlier. I grew up in Indiana. I'm an Indiana basketball fan. And Bob Knight was sort of an icon there, but you could see towards the end that players didn't necessarily want to commit for Knight in many cases because of his personality. Right. And, you know, I don't have – Hevesy just seems like an old school dude who, who, who doesn't necessarily um, – who maybe doesn't connect with those guys who are five stars who who need a little bit more pampering and he's not necessarily willing to bring that. And, you know, that's a limit. Obviously, you know, Mullen has to make a decision on, on who he wants there at the offensive line coach. But this is sort of who Hevesy is. He, even even you think about guys like Phil Troutwine. I was just reading something about him the other day that he he's coaching at Penn State now. And mm -hmm. Penn State didn't want him. And that's how he wound up at Florida. And so, you know, obviously became a very good offensive lineman for those national championship teams under Urban Meyer. Um, and so Hevesy does have a track record of that sort of development. But at the same time, it's a whole lot easier when you got Percy Harvin and Tim Tebow and Chris sure. Rady and all those guys behind the offensive line. You can get away with a couple of three stars then. Well, I don't think Phil Trotline was coached by uh, Hevesy. I think that that's when Hevesy was coaching the tight ends uh, at Florida anyway. But um Anyway, anyway, Will, what are your thoughts on replacing, you know, Florida's going to need a lot of help in the, uh, the receiving department, obviously, Kadarius Toney, Trevon Grimes, Kyle Pitts, uh, all moving on to the NFL. What are your thoughts on Jacob Copeland, Kamor Gamble, you know, the rest of the, the folks that are going to, you know, take the, uh, you know, kind of pass the torch to them in, in Florida's uh, recruiting or uh, receiving core this year? I mean, Copeland certainly flashed. There have also been times where he sort of struggled with drops. Um, you know, there have been some things where maybe you thought a, a route might have been running correctly or something like that. But we saw that last year with Xavier Henderson as well. I think Henderson's really the key to the receiving core. 
having a guy out there with his kind of size and his kind of speed, being able to open things up, and then Copeland sort of taking that next step. I mean, you, we've seen the talent, and even with Rick Wells, we've seen some talent. It's just been a question of consistency with those guys. Um, but I think you're going to be able to say the same thing with Emory Jones, right? Is he consistent at getting those guys the ball? But we saw what happened in the Oklahoma game <laughs> when, when, when a lot of guys were missing, right? And so there's obviously a lot of work to be done. Um, you know, Gamble is going to be a good tight end. I don't think he's going to be a fantastic replacement. Um, Zipper, sort of the same way. I think it's unfair mm-hmm. to expect people to replace Tony and replace and replace Pitts. Um, the weapons are going to be different. They're going to just have to do it in a different way. I don't know that you're necessarily going to get the same explosion. You'll probably have longer drives. That's going to be the big thing, I think, is keeping the defense off the field, having longer drives, being able to convert third downs, get down the field, and then convert when you're in the red zone. Um, you know, that that doesn't that means you're not going to be scoring 40, 45 points a game, probably scoring somewhere in the 30 to 35 range. It's sort of Mullen's history. Um, you know, but it, again, it's one of those things where Mullen has been able to scheme points out of players much less talented than he has at Florida when he was at Mississippi State. He has there's 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 these great there's this great tape out there where he's got wide receivers out past the numbers just so that the quarterback has a really, really easy read when he had Nick Fitzgerald there his first year, um, where it was either a run play for Fitzgerald or the tight end was going to be wide open and the defense had to make a choice. And no matter what choice they made, it was always going to be wrong. So I do think there's going to be a lot of that, where when you're playing a team like Kentucky, you're playing a team like Tennessee, you're able to sort of scheme around maybe some of the limitations. It's going to be the games against Georgia, the games against Alabama, where you can't just necessarily scheme because those guys have more talent than you do. And you know at that point, then some of these guys are going to have to step up, high point the ball and catch a couple of deep ones. How much of the offense you think was uh, Brian Johnson last year with the past half, the last like couple of years? Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you ask around at people who know, they were very, very impressed with Johnson and his ability to sort of connect with the quarterbacks and his ability to to um, to mentor them and really sort of maybe take it even a step further than Mullen is able to do just because of all of his responsibilities. But, I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, this is Mullen's offense. This is – Mullen is the guy who's going to be focusing on the quarterbacks. And so one of the reasons for Johnson to get out beyond just being able to go to the NFL is to be able to show what he can do when he's not necessarily, um, you know, the offensive coordinator for Dan Mullen when everybody knows it's Mullen's offense. But I think he'll be missed. I think he'll be missed. I think he's a younger coach. I think that helps when it comes to building a relationship. It helps when it comes to delivering maybe some tough messages. Um, you know, when you're closer in age, when you've gone through it, when you've been somebody who's been ripped by, by Mullen and you can then be sort of the nice guy who walks in and, 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 you know, picks up the quarterback and, and helps him sort of see why he was getting yelled at in that particular case. Um, and, and then again, I mean, the offense took a major step forward from, 2019 to 2020 and and that coincided with Johnson being named offensive coordinator I don't think we should undersell that I think that when you put somebody in that position it means you trust them and so the fact that he had Dan Mullen's trust I think says a lot about uh about how good a coach he is and how good a coach Mullen thinks he is Perfect. Uh, Will, just a couple more questions on the defensive side of the ball. I spent a lot of time on offense. Uh, how do you think that Florida does um, on defense this year? Do you think they're able to, to take a step forward? Obviously, you're replacing a lot uh, in the secondary with Marco Wilson, you know, the three uh, safeties being gone. You're replacing some other folks on the defensive line. Uh, how do you think that Florida is able to do on the defensive side of the ball this season? 
I mean, I think they'll be better. I, I think it'd be hard to be a whole lot worse, <laughs> which, which is which is kind of the problem, I suppose. I, I think they'll be better. I think they're a lot younger. Um, people last year were clamoring for guys like Wingo, guys like Tyron Hopper there at linebacker. I think we're going to see those guys. I think we're going to see them because they've had a full year in the program. I think we're going to see them because they've had a year to develop. And I think that we're going to see them because they're going to be needed, right? I mean, they're, they're needed for depth just because of some of the guys who are, who are leaving. Um, you know, the, they only have, I think, what, six scholarship corners. So that does seem like an issue, especially if you run into an injury or two or if somebody just struggles in a way you don't necessarily think they will. But, I mean, you know, the biggest problems they had last year were lining up, busted coverages, playing 12 yards off the line of scrimmage on third and four. Those sorts of things are more schematic and comfort than it is actual talent and so you know there's no reason that florida should be getting torched by vanderbilt you get beat by georgia you tip your hat you get beat by alabama you tip your hat um there's no reason you should be giving up you know 30 35 points to vanderbilt so i think they're going to be better I, I think there's still areas that are holes i think you know silk you mentioned recruiting on the offensive line i think you could say the same thing about the defensive line dexter was an awesome get last year but just consistently year after year bringing in guys up front who can really hold their own in the sec is a place where they still haven't really gotten yet um though since they brought in turner that's really improved i think i think they've uh done better on the edge uh i think interior defensive line they struggle that more i think we've done pretty well whether it's uh summerall bogle all these guys over the years we, we've been okay on strong side defensive end defensive end defensive tackles a different story yeah, well we even saw that last year where they had to where they had to bring carter inside especially early in the year right. um you know and and they haven't really gotten a lot of pat ru- pass rush out of jeremiah moon though he's been out there playing an awful lot um, <laughs> he's still here <laughs> He is. The the best defense last year was actually when they had Bogle and Cox both on the edge. And right. then they and then they slid Carter inside and then they had Dexter or Slayton or somebody else at defensive tackle. So, you know, you got those two defensive tackle transfers, should allow you to play Carter outside, should allow you to have Cox then or you know, almost rotate in Cox and Bogle on the outside at the edge. And then Diabate's got really nice closing speed at the linebacker position. And so if you he have an opportunity. <laughs> well, that that's true too, but uh, you know, at the same time, his clo- you don't want him to lose the closing speed that he has. He really caused some havoc in that Kentucky game, made mm-hmm. Terry Wilson really uncomfortable. And so, if he can do that on a more consistent basis, but that sort of goes back to the defensive tackles because last year the defensive tackles were inconsistent, and so the linebackers oftentimes were getting mauled by offensive linemen jumping out of their gaps to try to sort of guess where the play was going to go instead of tr- necessarily trusting where that they needed to be in their gap and needed to be sound. Um, I, and, you know, quite honestly, sometimes not necessarily knowing their assignment. So I think if the linebackers know their assignment, the defensive tackles do a little bit better job up front, then those linebackers are going to have more t- more room to run. And then the speed for Diabate and then Hopper and Wingo as well will start to take hold. That's That, to me, is really the telltale sign of whether the defense is going to improve or not and how much they're going to improve is if you start seeing linebackers shooting through gaps, making, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, which isn't necessarily something we've seen the last few years. Perfect. Well, we'll uh, remind everybody where they can follow you on Twitter and read um, your great insight every week. Yeah, thanks. So at Will Miles SEC on Twitter, and you can find me over at the Gators Breakdown Podcast. Dave does a good job over there. And then uh, readandreaction.com is my website. Awesome. Well, Will, we appreciate it. We definitely are going to have you on closer to football season and during football season. Always love your analytical takes uh, and uh, looking forward to a chat with you in the future, my friend. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. 
Awesome. Thanks, Will. Thanks a lot, Will. Will Miles, read and reaction. Silk, I think it's time for our Gator News, which is sponsored by our friends over at Brunt Insurance. You want to give uh, Greg a quick shout-out? Absolutely, man. The best of the best when it comes to customer service and insurance. Whether you need life insurance, auto insurance, home insurance, renter's insurance, or any financial services, my man Greg, take take care of you. Uh, Visit BruntInsurance.com or... 954-589-2204. Nine five four five eight nine two two zero four. My man Greg is pretty much the guy you need. Um, I he take care of my business insurance, home insurance. Um, Dan got him for a few services. Everybody on the network is pretty much using them. So, um, give him a shout out. Bryaninsurance.com. Absolutely. I actually just told uh, my mom to give him a call uh, in the next couple of weeks as their homeowner's insurance policy is up for renewal. So Greg is the man, great rates. If anything, even if you're happy with where your rates are, give Greg a call. It's always good to shop around, especially every couple of years. Uh, rates that Greg gets have been exceptionally low. I know I've saved thousands of dollars with him. So shout out to Greg. So we got a lot of bullet points this week. So let's run through them real quickly here shout out to our friend cornelius ingram friend of the show you might you may just a quick little peek behind the uh, curtain here may hear a lot more of him this fall uh but for earning the gainesville suns girls basketball coach of the year shout out to ci his state champion in football uh girls basketball coach of the year too uh jahari rogers as will just mentioned uh, is transferring to smu so best of luck to jahari rogers Uh, Peter King from Sports Illustrated think that Kyle Trask is going to be a first-round quarterback uh, in the number sixth uh, quarter. Or the pardon me, the sixth quarterback overall taken. Peter King is probably one of the most plugged-in guys when it comes to the NFL. So if he's saying that, he may know something more than what you're reading on the internet. Shout out to Jacoby Brissett. Who I hope so. That'd be an incredible look and, and good for Kyle. Absolutely. Shout out to a 5'6'1 legend, Jacoby Brissett, uh, who just recently signed uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, shout out to Jonathan India, uh, rookie, uh, second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. He's currently hitting 379 with 11 RBIs in his first eight Major League Baseball games. Uh, he made a couple of great uh, web gems as well, so he's really doing well uh, up there in Cincinnati. And then with the San Francisco Giants, Anthony DiScalfani uh, had a six-inning shutout for the Rockies on Sunday. He got his first win of the season, struck out eight, walked one, has a .82 ERA. Uh, Gators women's swim coach Jeff Popple uh, has announced that he is going to head to be the head coach of the men's and women's swimming program at the University of South Carolina. So that is a promotion for him. So congratulations to Jeff Popple and best of luck. Gators baseball goes three and two this week. Uh, they had a win against uh, Stetson and a win against Florida A&M uh, and went one and two against Tennessee. Number six, Tennessee. Uh, women's basketball got a transfer named Zipporah Broughton. She's a transfer from Rutgers. Uh, she appeared in 61 games, 12 starts, was the 2018 Alabama Gatorade Player of the Year, average 8.2 uh, points per season. So good luck to Zipporah Broughton. Uh, I know uh, head coach Cam Newbauer is excited about bringing her on. The men's Gators 
golf team tied for fourth in their final regular season performance, and they are moving on to the postseason. And the women's golf team tied for 12th in their last regular season tournament. So best of luck to both of them as they enter the postseason in golf. The Women's Gymnastics Program uh, National Championship meet is this week in Fort Worth. So good luck to all of the Gators Women's Gymnastics Program uh, with the Gators Gymnastics Program. Pardon me. Gators softball beat USF two times this week during a, a midweek doubleheader. They beat Western Kentucky on Saturday, and then they played an exhibition game against Team Canada, which is the number three national team uh, in the world. They were down 5-2 to two when the game was canceled, uh, but obviously great to get that experience. The men's tennis team beat number 13, South Carolina. They completed the regular season undefeated, still ranked number one in the country. So best of luck to the men's tennis team. Three Gators on the track and field team were named to the SEC weekly honor roll. Thomas Martle was the SEC men's field athlete of the week. Jumper Claire Bryant was SEC women's co-freshman of the week. And sprinter Jonathan, or pardon me, Joseph Fon Bula was the men's newcomer of the week. So congratulations to all three of them. And then finally, congratulations to outside hitter Thayer Hall on the women's volleyball team that was named to the 2020-2021 SEC Volleyball Community Service team. They begin their run this week as well after that illustrious national championship. So your Gators Week in Review is complete. So any final words before we give a shout-out to our friends over at Manscaped? Oh, no, quite the job, Daniel. And you know what? That's what I'm here for. Try to try to hey, keep man. it, you know, let everybody know we're the everything school. You know, sometimes we get caught up in football and basketball, sometimes in baseball. Before is really kicking butt and all, uh, all, all the courts and all the fields – uh, and all the uh, giant ovals around the country. I like it. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to podcast with my man Nick next week. You know, got some big kick. We kicking it a little bit. I'm excited. I, what What are you most excited about about bringing Nick Delatore to the staff? Uh, weird socks, um, kicker fetish, those yep. things like that. You know, get somebody to rag on a little bit. What are your thoughts that you're going to have two 954 people on the same podcast? I mean, so much high class over here. We got to balance the show out a little bit. So we throw a little brow counter in there. Okay. Y'all in the middle of the sandwich. It's like us in Miami. We just squeeze y'all in. Y'all like. We just kind of exist. Yeah. Y'all just there. It's, it's cool. <laughs> I got like, some good football players, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Nick is going to bring a, a lot to the show. Uh, I think he's going to balance us out, round us out a little bit. I know the internet was hype. I think the most, one of the most liked tweets we ever got was when we announced Nick Delatory to our staff. So likable guy. Yeah, he wins all those like uh, off-season, you know, brackets and stuff of like your favorite Gator Twitter person. So he beat Shannon Snell and and another one. I, I wasn't included in this one. I don't know if you were either. Uh, no, I'm cool, man. Leave me out of the brackets. I'm all bracket out. I don't want no more bracket. I got into the finals. I'm cool. I don't need no more brackets. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on top, Dan. I don't think you won, but you're you go out in the final four. Nah, I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm playing with house money here, man. Okay, I don't, I, I don't have a brick outside or anything. Not yet. 
I ain't even go to Santa Fe. Like I, I'm not even like supposed to be in this. No, but how can we get you into the to the Palm Beach County Hall of Fame? Is that is that something that's just for athletic achievement, or can it be a mixture of your athletic achievement and your your podcasting uh, notoriety? I'm just keep laying the groundwork, bro. I'm gonna get into it, then. I'm gonna speak it to existence. Like, yeah, I'm gonna be chilling with Eddie. Yeah, you just have to know enough people, and they just have to slide you in as like an honoree. I'm know? like the greatest podcaster for Palm Beach ever. They gotta put me in. I feel like that's. I, I feel like you and Kev are a package deal. What do you think? No, no, got nope. it right. I, no, <laughs> I had it right the first time. Yeah, yeah, everybody got to go on their own, man. Got to write his own application out, bro. <laughs> he's got. He's got to get some legends on his show to talk about. If it, I right? get in, I give him. You know, I get my vote. I got you, but it's only one vote, right? That's it. That's all, that's all I got. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, we got a uh, exciting show. I'm excited about the guests that uh, that we've got next week already booked. So take us out with a uh, a manscaped read and drawn. Man, I enjoyed myself this weekend, Dan. I was down there, Brickle. Um, a little breaking. I mean, it was cool last week, but this week got to like 79 ish. Okay. You know, did a lot of walking and shopping. My feet got a little chafed you know i was chafing up the feet because i ain't you know i had some chuck on, chucks on but i had my, my ball deodorant on so everything was straight downstairs man no sweat no hassle shout out to manscape.com for the best of the best when it comes to man grooming um i had my ball deodorant on deck um everything was clean and sharp um weed whacker got everything proper i was you know groomed like a gentleman I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like that's the only way to go through life. Once you know that they exist, right? I mean, you could go through your life not knowing that ball deodorant exists and just deal with the issues that you have until you find out that it exists and your life's changing. Right, you know I mean? right, right. Yeah, I mean, if you know about ball deodorant and just choose not to use it, then you're just a savage and you you don't deserve the finer things in life. Yeah, uh, keep shouting us out. So we have some rules. If you buy something from Manscaped, you're more than welcome to tag us that on the packaging that you got or when the box comes in. But anything beyond that, no tagging. So I know that Darius23 on Twitter, uh, he got the crop mop, which is something that we've not yet been exposed to, uh, but they're refreshing ball wipes with active pH control. So, oh, so I might have okay. to take a look to see what, uh, what they got going on over there. Might hit up our guy. Uh, Dominic to see if he can't throw some uh, some things in a care package for us, just so we know what we're talking about. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I need I need I need the speedy wipes. <laughs> just put one or two in your wallet because they come in individually wrapped packages, so you can put oh, them in your yeah. wallet. You never know. Just run to the bathroom real quick, do a quick swipe, swipe, and throw it in a wife bag. You know, when you ready to go to the bathroom, hey, baby, going to the bathroom, give me one of my man wipes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> oh deserve, man, oh man, deserve nice things like man wipes, Dan. That's you do. You know, you've worked you've worked too hard in life to not have uh-huh. something like man man ball wipes in your, uh, in your <laughs> yeah. Body, you know what I mean? Uh. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, to next week. You've got the song of the week this week, so so take us out. Uh, let me get some Dad's loaf. We winning. How about that? I like that that vibe. Let's ride, baby. Same corner, same time, Daniel. See you next week, my friend. Honorary member. Spend my name in the game. I know they want me.
for this life I've been grinding, hella flights In the studio, late nights I had to get it, run it up Adidas, three stripes Me and my brothers used to argue, disagree And we fight, we got older They understand, I wanna see them Do right, on the run Got caught, now them boys doing life 19 years old, 20 years Three stripes, no warning Good morning, out of mind I decide, I wake up, say my prayers, counted 30 last night. I hate 20s, I hate liars, I hate no p. Me tight, shouldn't never f you. Cool, I'm finna go up on you. Whoa, spend my name in the game, I know they want me to fail. Tell them I'm in the tell them I ain't going nowhere. Bro, you want light it up, put your lighters in the air. We winning, we winning, keep that hating shit over there. Yeah, yeah, keep that hating Yeah.